Welcome to AJHP Voices, now comprising interviews on contemporary pharmacy issues and discussions with AJHP authors. The service was formerly known as AJHP Podcasts. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. This is Guy Hasegawa, Senior Editor of AJHP. Before we get started with today's interview, let me ask listeners to complete an online survey about AJHP Voice. Just go to the AJHP Voices page and click in the Listener Survey box. The survey will take only a couple of minutes and will help us plan future interviews. My guest today is Ross Thompson, co-author of an editorial on the August 1st, 2015 issue of AJHP. The title of the editorial is Respecting the Risks of Sterile Compounding. Ross, can you tell us what your job title is and where you work? Sure. I'm the Director of Pharmacy Services at Tufts Medical Center in Boston, Massachusetts. And you have a co-author on this editorial? Yes. The co-author is Karen Belisle, who is Director of Pharmacy Regulatory Compliance, Quality, and Safety at the Brigham and Women's Hospital, also in Boston. Now, the springboard for your editorial is actually another paper in the same issue of AJHP, and that paper is a report by Heather Moulton-Meissner and colleagues from CDC. So let me give a a brief summary of that paper. Uh, Back in 2011, there was an outbreak of serratia marcescens bloodstream infections in some Alabama hospitals. Those infections were traced back to an amino acid solution that had been prepared by uh, a single compounding pharmacy. Now, in this report in AJHP, the CDC investigators replicated some of the procedures of that compounding pharmacy, and not all of those procedures were in compliance with current guidelines. And they showed that the strains of serratia in those infections could, under certain circumstances, penetrate a 0.2 micron filter and contaminate the amino acid solution. So, Ross, without getting into the technical aspects of that investigation, what are some of the important takeaway lessons? This case really does point to a lack of full understanding of what's required to ensure sterility of a, of a product. And the old adage that, you know, put it through a filter as part of your, your strategy, sure, that might be part of the strategy, but there's a lot of other complexities that go along with that. And uh, this case, I think, did a a really nice job of outlining how just the filter in and of itself is not a sufficient intervention. Right. I think a lot of us assume or we're trained to believe that a 0.2 micron filter can stop practically anything. And uh, although a 0.2 micron filter was used by that pharmacy, there were other things that they uh, didn't do that they probably should have. So with all today's drug shortages, there are Certainly will be times when a pharmacy starts to think about compounding its own prescriptions or own preparations and at times when to hire a third party to do that. How do you go about assessing your own ability to compound these preparations at the various risk levels? Yeah, when I think about this question and I've encountered this question at multiple stops in my career before Tufts and again here while at Tufts. It really does speak to your assessment has to entail what your physical plant is capable of and what your facilities are equipped to to provide. Also, what type of infrastructure you have around you in the support of laboratory, 
really testing and whatnot, as well as truly the the talent that you have on your team uh, among your staff. Right. So at what point do you say that we can't do this and we really need someone else to step in and help us out? Yeah, I think some of the recent events have reminded us uh, of how much appreciation we need to have for the science that goes into to sterile compounding. My sense is that many organizations have looked specifically at the practice of high-risk compounding and realized that they're ill-equipped to meet the requirements of USP 797 in the space of high-risk compounding. And so I would guess that that's somewhat of a, a clear line of delineation in, in organizations that have decided to change their practices in recent years. It speaks also to the compounders you know, outside that you might be able to contract services from. Many of them as well have made that same conclusion that high-risk compounding is just not something that, that they're capable of supporting. The big differentiation between medium risk and high risk has to do with the amount of testing that goes along with those products after the actual compounding. And not everybody is equipped uh, with the infrastructure necessary to support that, nor the competence truly within their, within their staff. So when it comes time to start thinking about an outside firm, how do you assess whether that firm is, a, is a able and qualified to carry out the procedures that you'd be asking them to go ahead and do? You know, in, in my experience, that typically comes a little bit later in that decision tree, the, the first of which is the product that's being requested, is there a commercially available product that's identical or perhaps even just similar to what's being requested at, at that time? And if the answer is yes, we try to move the practice into that commercially available product so that nobody needs to prepare it within their clean room. The second step would be then if we do have a unique need for a product that's not commercially available, what are the conditions that we could uh, put in place that would allow us to prepare that product without reaching the level of high risk? And then thirdly, if we can't do those two and we truly do have to prepare a high-risk compound, who is a trusted and available resource outside of our four walls that we could delegate that responsibility to. Right. And how do you determine who is that trusted outside party? We've actually looked at the guidance documents that ASHP has produced as far as outsourcing sterile compounds. There's actually a number of resources that we now have access to through ASHP that we've used in evaluating vendors that have uh, offered to, to provide these services to us. Part of that entails an interview of the, the individuals that are managing that facility and even a, a campus visit to those facilities. Nothing really can displace the confidence that eye-to-eye site inspection can give you Again, knowing what it is that you're looking for once you get there still requires that you have some level of competence in this space of high-risk compounding. Have you ever actually encountered one of these firms that uh, after you went through all those steps, you decided that you really didn't feel comfortable working with? 
We have had the good fortune of working with a couple of reputable organizations that we've tended to rely on in the event that we do need a high-risk compound. We have worked with other groups for medium-risk compounding that we, in fact, have discontinued those, those relationships with because of concerns that we had around quality. And how can you be sure that you have the expertise in-house to make an informed decision when you're evaluating these firms? That's a, an excellent question. And actually, within our editorial, we somewhat commented on that, that there really is no national standard, there's no credential that we give to individuals who have this expertise. And I challenge that we, in fact, need that type of credential. Right. So is there anything else about uh, this topic, um, about the um, Seratia paper or about your own editorial that you'd like to, um, to say to listeners? You know, as I read through it, it was just another reminder. And, and uh, unfortunately, we've, we've read too many headlines such as this. It's just another reminder of how important it is that we understand this part of pharmacy practice as well as we understand any other part. Sterile compounding is such an area of vulnerability and puts our patients in such a high degree of risk when it's not done appropriately. I, I just hope that this is a wake-up call and that folks really do pay attention and, and respect the risk. Right. I think readers really need to take a look at your editorial and the uh, accompanying uh, paper that it, that it talks about because they're both very important. That's about all we have time for today. So, uh, Ross, thank you very much for joining me today. My pleasure. This is Guy Hasegawa for AJHP Voices. I've been speaking with Ross Thompson, co-author of an editorial titled Respecting the Risks of Sterile Compounding, which is in the August 1st, 2015 issue of AJHP. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org.